This is the Mizzou Sports Podcast, presented by the Columbia Daily Tribune. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Mizzou Sports Podcast. My name is Eric Blum, breaking down Mizzou sports with you every week here on the show. Joining me, as always, is the Tribune's sports editor, Chris Kwasinski. How are you doing, Chris? Good today. Good today. Okay. Was it was not so good yesterday? Uh, no, it was really good, and that's kind of feeds into today, with, which is you know the getting to see Gary Pinkle talk about being in the Hall of Fame, and then uh, just enjoying what was really a lovely day. Yeah, it really was an awesome time. Uh, Gary Pinkle was the the, the, the rumors kind of came out, and that he had made it into the. 2022 class of the College Football Hall of Fame last Friday was officially confirmed on Monday. And today, the 12th, a Wednesday, uh, we got to speak to him yesterday at Shakespeare's. And just, I think the, the word I used in, in, in the headline and the number one word coming kind of out of yesterday is he was just overwhelmed by everything. I mean, becoming a Hall of Famer, I mean, it's not something new to Gary Pinkle as much as, you know, that that sounds kind of pompous. I mean, he's part of the Mid-American Sports Hall of Fame. He's a two-time inductee into the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame, getting an individual honor, the normal honor, uh, sometime in the, like, five, six years ago, and then got the Lifetime Achievement Award and the first ever recipient of that uh, back in 2019. And he's part of the Toledo Sports Hall of Fame, Kent State, Kenmore High School in Ohio. I mean, I mean, he... he He's, he'll be a Mizzou Hall of Fame inductee soon enough, and I mean th- th- this honor for him is kind of just. But this is the big one. This is this is the call you always hope to get. Oh yeah, and especially when you think about the rest of the names that he, he's going in with, you know, with Sean Salam, Lavar Arrington, like just classic college football players. But he also joins the, you know, that the long list of former Mizzou coaches to be inducted. I mean, not I'm not going to get all of them, but I mean you've got Don Ferro and Dan Devino, just names that just stick on forever, that live forever. I mean, Ferro's got a statue of him outside of Ferro Field. I mean that's. That's that just tells you all you need to know, and I mean, pretty soon, I'm pretty sure we'll see a Gary Pinkle statue out there sometime soon. Yeah, uh, being Dan Farrow and Dan Devine being the two previous ones are, are a big honor, um, and it's actually weird because uh, Mizzou hadn't had a new college football inductee to go in under the Mizzou banner since Roger Worley back in 2003. So it's been 19 years for a school like Mizzou. I found that really interesting that it had been since the first season Gary Pinkle had won a bowl at Mizzou was the last year. The Mizzou had a new inductee to go into the College Football Hall of Fame under the Mizzou banner. Yeah. Was, Crazy. Yeah, a lot of fun. And so we talked to him yesterday, and we I mean, it was kind of a, I don't want to say a who's who of Mizzou, because there were some, definitely some people absent, but crammed back in that little back room at the Shakespeare South location down right near Rockbridge High School. And, I mean, obviously a reporter from every single outlet that usually covers Mizzou is there, but just in terms of the other people, I mean, not only his, his wife, Missy Pinkle, was there, one of his daughter, Erin, was there. I mean, Desiree Francois was there. Several members of the Mizzou Athletic Communications staff were there. Mike Alden was there. Am I forgetting? Am I forgetting people? Uh, I mean, just uh, Chad Moeller, former Mizzou longtime media relations coordinator, who had set up the thing for us, was there. Uh, just, uh, I mean, obviously you would know more, but there's a lot of they're just people that meant a lot to Gary were there, and the ones that needed to be there were there. I think that's yeah. the the key, and it was just it was just fun. I honestly thought. It was going to be more, you know, structured and everything. But uh, props to Chad who just put it together. He's like, yeah, just get some pizza, hang out with Gary, and just chat, ask some questions. And it was just very laid back. And 
Um, and it kind of makes you understand why people love him so much just because he was just like, yeah, they're just talking about everything. And the, the biggest thing for me, and I don't know about you, but it was, it was that he just talked about everybody else but himself. I mean, there's the biggest, the biggest honor that he could claim as, as a coach. And he's very much just talking about, yeah, I miss, you know, I, I miss all my players. I miss all my coaches. I, I just want to take time to talk about everybody that got me to this point and just the selflessness really stood out. I, I agree with that. And that's why I asked my call in the question. Like you heard what he had to say in, in that room. Like this is literally like such a selective honor for him. And he can't, and he starts by thinking other people. I mean, what does that say about Gary? And it's like, you know, just, and, and that comes from just personal experience of, you know, yes, yes, there are so many people that touch these kids and the kids have their own demeanor. And that's completely a true statement. But someone has to be there making the hard decisions. Someone has to be there where the buck stops with you. And that was and that was Gary Pingle. And at the end of the day, if he failed, everybody else under him failed. And he didn't fail. And so, I mean, in, 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 a, in a weird way, him crediting everybody else is still a credit to himself, even though it's not, I know it's not what he wants. Uh, but at, at some time, the, the success just speaks for itself. And Gary is just uh, there's talk about i mean that coach Faro, obviously it's called Faro field has a has a statue outside of uh you know it's outside of Faro pavilion uh right at the uh, i guess the north end of the memorial stadium uh, it's got to be only a matter of time before it's something something around that ground is named for gary pinkle you yeah. would have to think yeah um especially when you think back to the just the the cred- not just credentials but that he has but also just the the other coaches he's been around and the people that have influenced him as a coach i mean there's you can go back and look and there's kind words that nick saban said about gary pinkle i mean uh you you just think about uh don james is his longtime mentor in uh, washington and also you think about uh, the connections with kent state and kind of going from there and also just building a toledo program from nothing to what it was and then coming back to mizzou to build that i mean uh, the, the one thing that stood out too was uh, when we asked him, you know, what uh, really the the crux of the question was, you know, what what convinced the Hall of Fame to let you in, and uh, he basically said like, yeah, like you know, we didn't win any national championships, and we didn't win, you know, the the big ones, the things that really stick out. But he said at the end of the day, like we were there, <laughs> we competed for that, we took this program from uh, from struggling to contenders, and that it changed you know the story and it changed you know, i think really the criteria of what you can think of of what is a hall of fame coach and, and I, I really respected that i really respected him kind of saying that and also thinking about what got him there and then also taking that that time too to talk about you know the, a really interesting situation to go back to his players and say hey I, I, this is why i got in which is why i want to thank thank my players thank all the other coaches too so i mean every step of the way it wasn't about him. It was about everybody else, even though it was the day for him. Yeah, there's two major things coming out of Gary Pingle. Number one is just his coaching tree by itself. Maybe it's obvious, but first person to point out would be his own nephew, Alex Grinch, is the D.C. at USC now under Lincoln Riley, longtime Oklahoma D.C., was getting some looks like when, before Drinkwitz was hired, Grinch was a name people thought might work as the head coach of Missouri. But again, at this point, Alex Grinch has, has proven his Barry Odom has, and that was, I think there had to go offense in that realm. Uh, even his longtime uh, D.C. at Mizzou to start, who came with over from him, uh, from Toledo, Matt Everfluss, is going to be a head coach in the NFL in the next couple of weeks with all the interviews he's getting as the Colts D.C. now. And just there are so many other people that are so highly regarded that coached under him. I mean, yes, it didn't go well for Dave Steckel at Missouri State, but he, he got a chance because of, of Gary. And just there, there's a lot of different people in that realm who elevated their careers 
And it, it, it's still one of the weirdest stats to me that Missouri had the exact same 10 assistant coaches from 2001 to 2008. That's just un- that, that, that's never going to happen again. Yeah. Just no staff changes until Everfluss uh, got, got an NFL DC job. Yeah, it's just crazy. I think it's also kind of cool to to point out just not just like the coaching status at the college and pro pro ranks too, but I mean, you want to talk about the influence he's had on the local prep scene in Columbia. I mean, you're going to talk about uh, coaching Atia Ellison, uh, who went and coached battle after Justin Conyers left, and, and is now at Mizzou. And uh, even Michael Agnew played under him and was an assistant coach at Tolton. Is now taking over Tolton, got them to their first winning season since 2015 last this past year in 2021. So, uh, I mean, his his influence doesn't stop just at you know the Matt Eberflus's of the world, the Alex Grinch's of the world, like that that kind of stuff. And it, he he impacts every level of football, and I think that that's worthy of. I mean, when you talk about putting someone in the Hall of Fame, that's that's a criteria you have to take into account. I'm glad the Hall of Fame committee did. And Gary Pinkle didn't move around all that much. His three stops of ten plus years as the an offensive assistant, and longtime OC at Washington under Don James. He was there. They were incredibly successful, competed for a lot of titles in the Pac-10 back then, made the jump to Toledo as the head coach, and in 1992, two years after he makes the jump, Washington wins a share of the national title with the offense he put in. You go to Toledo, and it's a major rebuild for them, but they take them to you know, one of the best group of five teams in the country. They go into Penn State and beat him, and that's the win that really set him up for Mike Aldenby. That's the guy we need to bring to Mizzou. And he takes over another major rebuild. Takes a little bit longer in Columbia, but I mean, I think three of his teams were a game away from winning the national title: 07, 10, and thirteen, or competing for a national title. That is not winning it. And it, there's not too many more things that had to go right for a Gary Pinkle coached team to compete for a national title. And that one, once you're in the title game, I mean, I think it's in 07. It would have been LSU and Nick Saban of all people. In 10, it would have been Auburn. And then in 13, it would have been, it must have been Florida State. And take down Jameis Winston to Cam Newton, and uh, is that Jamarcus Russell as the three quarterbacks of those teams? Uh, maybe it may, I don't I think it was Matt Flynn and it, um, Matt, maybe it was Matt Flynn. Yeah. But uh, just, they were right there. And, and, and that's the best thing to say about it is, as in this job, it's important to understand the people who built the program that you cover. And getting to see Gary kind of, bear his soul and that that it was pretty cool I, and one of the things that always introduced like interests me about big name coaches like that coaches that create a legacy that create something that goes beyond them that lays flowers in a garden bed that they may never even get to see down the road is uh what what is the what if question and i think uh Mike Alden kind of answered that yesterday, too, when they asked, you know, there's people that were coming to, they were coming to ask for him. You know, like Washington asked twice for him to be the head coach. And even Michigan came knocking, too, in uh, the 2010s and everything after Rich Rodriguez got fired. And um, I mean, you think about what what if he what if he left? What if but he didn't you know, he decided to stay transparent with Mizzou Athletics and was saying, hey, here's 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 the deal. And he stuck. Uh, I mean, there, you, you look at especially this past year, this past coaching cycle in college football where you saw so much movement. I mean, Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame for LSU. I mean, uh, Lincoln Riley dishing Oklahoma for USC. I mean, the, the names that have flipped, the, the 
the ground shaking, uh, I guess, reverberations that have come from these moves, it really just shook college football around this, this, even just the last two months, let alone the last few weeks. And we might even see it more if Jim Harbaugh leaves, you know, Michigan and goes to the NFL, Ryan Day to Ohio State. And uh, I mean, but at the end of the day, he could have done that. He could have been a part of that cycle, but it said, no, I'm going to stay doing my thing at Missouri. And there's a lot of respect for that. And Gary Pingle will be inducted in December at a place to be determined. The Hall of Fame itself is in Atlanta. Uh, but uh, they usually do the ceremony somewhere else, maybe in New York or maybe even in Las Vegas. Who knows? Uh, but uh, kind of getting back into actual Missouri sports of things, uh, Missouri Benz basketball did play. Uh, on Saturday, returned to action. First game of 2022. Did beat number fifth, then number 15 Alabama by six. They play tonight at Arkansas, and Arkansas is really in a tailspin. We'll see where it goes from there. Well, uh, just what are your kind of th- current thoughts about the men's team, kind of getting back into the swing of things? I, I think you touched on it in your story a little bit. Was you know, it took an offensive explosion to stay ahead of Alabama and everything. We knew how good Alabama's offense was going into that game. I mean, you're you're not talking about a team that's going to drop. 80 plus 90 plus on, on teams like Gonzaga and Houston and come away with wins and, and not be like okay like that's an SEC favorite too but um, it, it was impressive mainly because and I wrote about this before, you know, when the season began like yeah like leadership wise this is Javon Pickett's team he's that senior he's going forward he's looking to but I, honestly when it comes to stardom like Kobe Brown is the best player and I think he's cemented that um, just the last two big wins that we've seen, you know, the career high against Utah with 27 and now another career high against Alabama with 30. I mean, a guy like that who's beginning to find his own and, and, and really start to understand how aggressive he can be in the post and really own that, especially when there are times he's going to be mismatched, but he's still going to come away with you know winning those post battles. Like That's impressive, and, and that's a sight to really a sign to think about as we go through the second half of the season SEC's play starting and if Kobe's going to keep doing that and be more aggressive and just keep getting better that way maybe maybe Mizzou won't finish in the bottom half of the standings maybe they can fight a way to, to kind of be in the middle ground and kind of kind of maybe get a buy or something in the SEC tournament maybe not the double buy but maybe they could find a way to say okay but we're gonna this is where our offense is going to go through and we need to build around that Maybe. I, I, I think that Saturday doesn't change a whole heck of a lot by itself. Uh, all it does change is that Mizzou has the potential to do these games. You didn't see a route to victory for Mizzou in a lot of these games. I mean, look at their December. Blown out by Kansas, blown out by Illinois, blown out by Kentucky, and Utah shorthanded, and they, they find a way to win. Like, they, things didn't look good. They, they, but I think that the Alabama win proved that there is a route for this Missouri team to kind of capitalize on things, that they are better than what they've shown so far this season. And it's unfortunate you kind of took some lumps to your two main rivals, but, you know, you better you figure it out. Honestly, in the grand scheme of things, conference play is more so what matters to in the long-term success of the program because you're going to get another shot at Kansas next year. They're coming to Columbia. Illinois is going to come back around. Yeah, you don't have the Bragg and Rights trophy anymore. And I'm sure those games mean a lot to the fan base, but at the same time, you get to the NCAA tournament by what you do in the SEC. And Missouri's probably going to need to go about 13-3, and 14-2 to get back in the NCAA tournament, and I don't think that's near possible. I think, you know, with the 16 games left, 8-8, eight and eight, if you're a Missouri fan, you would, you would take that right now, to be yeah. completely honest with you. Um, but, I, but the potential and seeing a route to victory is now there compared to not really seeing it at all 
prior to Saturday. No, I think the biggest thing, too, is when, when you talk about those games you mentioned, the Kansas, the Illinois games and whatnot, I mean, those are the games that you want to win as a fan, obviously. You, you know, you, you want to have the bragging rights. You want to have the Border War Trophy. You want to have the, the, the bragging rights, so to speak, for all those games for 365 days. But uh, at the end of the game, you want those games. You don't, you don't need them. And obviously, there's that kind of moves in the SEC play, too, you know, where, yeah, you're going to want to beat the top three teams in the standings, you, but you're never going to beat all of them. You're not going to beat the Kentucky all the time. But at the end of the day, I think going into SEC play, we knew that the teams that Mizzou needed to beat, you know, the teams in the bottom half of the standings to prove, okay, they're not a bottom dweller. And we're going to see some of those games coming up. But we also knew that if they wanted to prove that they weren't a bottom team in the standings, they needed to get an upset like they did last Saturday. And I think that is the first step to proving, hey, you know, we're, we're not bottom dwellers, but we can be a middle of the pack team and we can set ourselves up for a, a, a surprise run if that's possible. And like you said, like it, it's there's a lot of work to do if you want to work yourself back in NCAA tournament consideration. And I think there's a lot of non-conference factors that are going to keep them from that, uh, especially when you talk about the, I mean, the UMKC loss looms, looms large to me, not just the Liberty and which state losses too. But I mean, that's the kind of thing that I sit back and I think about is like, well, you can set yourself up for, a chance to get a run at the SEC tournament now that that, you know, the NCAA tournament may be, it might not be possible. Yeah, I, I think so. Now going on to the women before, is there anything football we need to talk about? Or I can't think of anything. I, I think it's interesting if you want to talk about the, the scheduling change too, um, where it, it, where you swap out Middle Tennessee State, a, a team that won a bowl game, a 7-6 and team that's on the rise with a 3-9 LA Tech team, Louisiana Tech team that is that just fired its head coach and uh, is now starting <laughs> new and um, I you know what in a, in next year I I just want to say that it's a really good move and I really do uh I really do like it for Mizzou just because you look at the SEC schedule and how that starts, you know. Yeah. Uh that's that's a rough patch. I mean with yeah, sure. Uh, Georgia's coming here, but Georgia just won the national championship. I mean, you're also going to Auburn and going to Florida too. That's that's difficult. So, I mean, starting off in a way where you're going to give your team some momentum going forward is is great. And yeah, if it takes a little bit of money to buy out middle that Middle Tennessee State game, it's going to be worth it in the long run. Yeah, and then that's the thing is like, Missouri's a better chance of making a bowl now. You're you're, you're going on. I mean, it was a weird scheduling quirk, and you kind of set yourself up a little bit for disaster with whoever made the schedule. But Missouri used to be going on the road to Middle Tennessee State Week One, on the road to Kansas State Week Two, home to Abilene Christian and FCS team, and then it's the Auburn, Florida, Georgia triple header that you kind of mentioned. And I mean, where's the break there? Abilene Christian, get your hopes up. But then, but then Missouri could be one in five from that schedule, and that's a no diss to what's going on at Missouri. I mean, Kansas State had a really great year last year. They're losing Skylar Thompson, but they're getting a lot of other pieces back. And so, I, I think I think getting a reprieve and getting a game like Louisiana Tech at home, so you have seven home games as opposed to and do seven and five as opposed to six and six, is is, is a it, it, an easy move. It had to happen. So uh, that that is the main schedule. And now, kind of getting back into. Women's basketball, uh, still not ranked after the South Carolina win. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if we've done a podcast since the South Carolina win, actually. We did last, oh, we did? last okay. week. Okay. I, was, I was very passionate about women's that's, basketball. That's right. That's right. And then uh, I forgot. And then um, so we did that. They beat Auburn in overtime, and then they lost to Arkansas. 
Arkansas in regulation. Where do you think kind of things stand with the women now? I, I, I think it's still the same. And I think it's um, the thing you have to take note about the women's team right now is they didn't play that many games on the road. I mean, going into that game, I think the, the biggest ones that you want to take note of are Illinois on the road, uh, Missouri State on the road, uh, Baylor on the road, too. So and that, that's just tough. You know, that that's that's tough sledding for, uh, I mean, to out of those uh, four teams I just mentioned, you know, two, um, you got an Arkansas an SEC team on the road, which is which is pretty good. At that, at that point going into the game, they were 10 of 5. Obviously, Illinois, was a, it was a rivalry game, and anything can happen in those games. But, I mean, Missouri State, which is a, a very good mid-major basketball program, and then, of course, Baylor. So uh, there just wasn't that much experience on the road for the team, and especially coming off of being shorthanded. And they lost LaDasia Williams during the Arkansas game, which took a huge hit to the rebounding effort, but also the post game. And then Haley Troop also didn't play. as She's kind of working her way back. Uh, I think it's a mix of uh, COVID protocols, but also she um, got injured against the South Carolina game and had to be helped off the court. And I mean, but just the fact that missing her is... Uh, something that I really think played into account when it came to the second quarter, which our, it, Arkansas went on this huge burst. They scored like 28 second quarter points, put Mizzou in a huge halftime hole, and from there, you know, the Tigers just had to find a way to claw out. And then, granted, they did. They cut the lead to, to nine points going uh, in the beginning of the fourth quarter, but at that point, a lot of the uh, the shorthandedness kind of caught up with them. Uh, losing Ladesia and Haley, I think, was... Uh, just is too much to overcome, especially when Arkansas, it just was playing really well offensively, but uh, defensively there are some issues that Mizzou just couldn't correct until it was too late. Yeah, and and I think that speaking kind of glass half empty about the men, it's kind of glass half full still about for the women. This is a team on a path to an NCAA tournament. Arkansas is probably on that path too. Missouri's going to take its lumps. At the end of the day, it's still gotten way better than probably it should. If you would have told me Missouri is 2-1 and one coming out of its first three conference games, I would have told you great, considering I knew one of those three was South Carolina, and that was almost unavoidable. So I think Missouri's still in a really good spot. I think they play next at LSU on Thursday, so that'd be tomorrow. So, yeah, that's kind of where everything stands Mizzou athletics-wise. Uh, we'll t- take you to our sponsors here. And when we come back from the break, we'll talk a little bit about uh, a little bit about us, I guess, a, l- a little bit uh, different part of this podcast. is uh, I'm going to say my goodbye to the Tribune here after the break. We would like to thank our sponsors for the Columbia Daily Tribune's Mizzou Sports Podcast, University of Missouri Healthcare. University of Missouri Healthcare is proud to be the official sponsor of MU Athletics. Blue Events. Let Blue create the perfect event. Their passion for food, service, and presentation ensures that you will have a seamless and memorable event, no matter the size. They will work with you to bring your vision to life. Phyllis Nichols State Farm Insurance. There when things go wrong, here to help life go right. The Mizzou Sports Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, the home of handmade-to-order chicken, salads, and more than a dozen mild-to-wild sauces. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today. Follow Mizzou football with the Tribune's Tiger Extra newsletter. Sign up at ColumbiaTribune.com slash Tiger Extra for stories, galleries, and podcasts in your inbox every Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Mizzou Sports Podcast. Uh, I'm Chris Kwasinski coming back. I'm leading the charge this time uh, as we take a little personal twinge to the podcast today as we kind of look ahead to the future while also 
uh, thinking about uh, what we've got so far. Um, right now, I, you've probably seen a lot, and coming out in tomorrow's paper uh, is a, in this obviously being Thursday's paper, is a goodbye column from Eric Blum, uh, our Mizzou uh, beat reporter, who's taking his talents out east to the east coast uh, to Deadspin. Um, he announced this move last week, and uh, it's going to be sad. It's going to be tough. Uh, you can't really replace a guy that's got institutional knowledge, but you know we're going to do our best. And uh, right now, I was just hoping, Eric, if you could tell us a little bit more about what you're doing out east. Yeah, I'm taking my talents to the Big Apple. I was, I was hoping for more of a decision kind of LeBron style instead of this, but you know, um, where, we, where it's the worst in American Idol and you drag it out uh, for an hour. I can't believe that was in 2010. Well, I mean, that's 12 <laughs> years ago that happened. Anyway, you still can. It's that's crazy just how long he's been in, like like him and Ovechkin came into the leagues of the same year. It's great. Actually, LeBron came in a year earlier than Ovechkin did. Actually, Ovechkin mm-hmm. came in in '04, uh, LeBron in '03. So, um, but yes, uh, I am going to Deadspin. Uh, for those of you who haven't heard of it, um, they are a sports blog and website that were founded in 2005 um, under different ownership than they have now. Um, the current direction of the company focuses a lot on hard hitting commentary and unique takes on sports. Still with amazing journalism chops. They've brought in a lot of journalism heavy hitters, for lack of a better word, from around the country to really fill out that staff. And it's a growing company. And, you know, I, I this is a chance to go and advance my career while gaining a little bit of, you know, fun in my personal life back and getting closer to family and friends. And, you know, this is not an anti-Tribune, an anti-Columbia move. But, you know, it, it, I got to be selfish here. And, I, you know, it's... Dreams kind of shift a little bit when you get older. I came here at 26. I'm going to be 30 in May, and um, I have a little bit different view on life now than what I did when I came here. And so uh, the Tribune was fantastic, and I have so many great memories here. I have made so many friends here, but I think it's it, it, I'm everything worked out the exact way it was supposed to, and this is this is absolutely the perfect time for me to kind of hand the torch to someone else yeah and uh i know exactly what you mean having done this move myself just a mere four or five months ago i mean a a lot of stuff was accelerated by the pandemic and a lot of a lot of that too a lot lot of personal things and i think that's when we all started to realize especially with sports writing and sports reporting um you know there's there's got to be times where you can be selfish and uh, i thought that too you know when i started realizing you know i'm starting to miss um, birthdays, family parties, and that kind of stuff. I'm watching people grow, and I know that's that was a big thing for you. And yeah. uh, uh, when did you realize that that was that that was something that you needed to be back for? Uh, over the summer is when it really hit me. Uh, there was a lot that happened um, in my personal life over kind of the summer, and it was kind of one thing after another after another. And by the end of it, I kind of had this epiphany that it's just like, what am, what am I really doing here? Like, of course, I know I'm covering Mizzou Athletics, and that's my, being the hometown beat writer for the only new daily newspaper in town is the dream, and I'm living it. And a lot of people in journalism would kill for my spot. But when you really come down to the base of what Eric Blum wants, what is Eric Blum doing in Columbia, Missouri? I'm here to work. And that's not right. Like, straight up, like, I mean, I, I don't want to live to work. I want to work to live. And it felt like maybe I had had that strategy backwards for the first time in my life. I mean, coming out of college and you want to work and you want to build up your career and, you know, just just uh, this is a dream I wanted to chase since I was, I mean, nine. Like, I mean, my parents have both told me, like, I'm the, I'm the only person who decided what they were doing, like, when they were, like, nine years old. And then I did it. 
and like I'm now 29 and, and living the, the dream. Like, and so this is all I've ever wanted to do. I never had a plan B, never wanted to go to a plan B. And I never, and I never have had to test out that theory. It's been sports writing my entire life. And so the only thing that changes now is not only do I feel like I've done my due diligence in Columbia, Missouri, but you know, with the pandemic and with just a lot of different factors in my life, you know, just having personal support in a major way. And I, I'm not saying we're not, of course, we're great friends, Chris, and it's been amazing <laughs> to be here with you. It's just a little different when it's family. And I moved away from uh, the East Coast in September of 2015 to take a job in Odessa, Texas. And I haven't been home for Thanksgiving or a Hanukkah in my case, uh, or a holiday season since then. And so to say for the first time next year, will be the first time I'm there in seven years is crazy. And so that's kind of where my head's at right now is I get to keep the dream of sports writing alive, but the personal aspect of this, I mean, this is the best attempt I have at having your cake and eating it too. Like it's, I still am wrapping my head around how powerful that is to me. And I'm just so thankful that, you know, it wasn't like a a bad exit here and everyone here understood. And when, you know, I I got to tell my story of, of everything I'm telling all of you now of, oh, this is, this is why I'm doing this. It was met with, oh, you're, it wasn't met with, oh, you're wrong, or, oh, you're, you're leaving the Tribune in a bad place. It was, we're really happy for you. Thank you for all you've done for us. And that, that really meant a lot to me. Yeah, I mean, it, I can speak to that, too. I mean, I was home for the for Thanksgiving for the first time and I think, uh, let's see, three, three years, I think, uh, when I left home in 2018 for my first job. And uh, that's, that's something, I mean, when you go back and you can spend that extra time, like, that means that means a lot and it hits you in that especially in that moment too i did that this year i was helping um, you know, make thanksgiving dinner with my family the, the bears and lions were on that travis diva game was playing in the background <laughs> yeah. and i was sitting out there just being like this is this is it this is what i made the move for and in that moment you're just like oh that's it's all worth it and, but uh um i was just kind of curious what what i know you mentioned a little bit more about desmond but yep. um what what sold you uh, how, or how did how did they get you what, what, what sold you on <laughs> that job uh, well, first off, um, you said you were gone for three years. Double that. Do you think you could have done it? No. Like, that's where I'm at. Then that's, and that's why I had to make this move. Yeah. Uh, second, um, so Ted's been kind of sold me for, for a few reasons. Number one, I've been a big fan of theirs since I really started reading sports journalism a long, long time ago. I've been a fan of their brand, and I, I like the way they aren't right down the middle. You know, heart, you can kind of go anywhere for that, to be honest with you. And they're not the only ones who kind of take a unique take to things, but there's very few companies who do that and have the roster of journalists they do. My, my soon-to-be editor, Eric Barrow, was the longtime sports editor of the New York Daily News, just talking about some of the journalism heavy hitters they have, a Julie DeCaro, a Rob Parker, a Karan Phillips, you know, just, just the people I have grew up reading and you know, have career trajectories like I want to have mine. Like it's my biggest goal in the world of journalism, probably the Mount Everest of my professional goals to be a published author with a national book deal one day. And I'm pretty sure all three of them have done that. Especially, I mean, Julie just, Julie's book is on the New York Times bestseller list right Mm -hmm. now. And so, yeah, just in, in terms of elevating my career, just it combined where, with what I'm doing with where I want to go, both personally and professionally. And it was just a package that was just so undeniable to me. And I had to be selfish. I, no, yeah. Well, yeah. When, when, 
you've lined up all the ducks in a row and i and i i made a list you know I, I, this is what a reporter does you type everything out reasons to stay in columbia reasons to move to new york or w- what i want for my life it, the scales became quickly tipped away from here yeah it, it, but what kind, what kind of stories are we going to expect from eric blum going forward that's that's the interesting part is I, a lot of this i don't know but i'm excited because um i mean i one of the reasons, and I've heard from Deadspin, is you know I'm not like a lot of people there. I, I'm they really take people from different backgrounds and kind of mesh them into one team. It's it's really a, a team aspect there, and so they don't have someone with a beat running background that I have there. And so while I'm not going to be like you know I'm trying to think of the schools like Seton Hall is probably the closest. Rutgers, yeah, Rutgers is right there. I mean, there's a lot of smaller D1s. Manhattan College, Iona, St. Peter's is right there. Um, a, a few more in that realm, at, but like, and I'm not going there to like cover like high schools or anything either. But you, I, I think that I'm gonna take what I do now from a Southeastern Conference beat writers mentality and then push it into Deadspin's algorithm and come up with a pretty good combination of what what, what it, what's out there. I mean, there's never been more interest I think in college football with NIL and Alabama losing and Georgia winning, and I I, I think that. Now's a really good time that if I wanted to look at things from a national uh, kind of outlet, I could do so. And so uh, they cover everything at Deadspin, and I am definitely a fan of all sports. And so a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I don't know that I'm going to have a direct beat, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that, that's that's good. And it's good to hear that, that it's exciting going forward. I mean – I mean, I mean, moving out to my first sports reporting job in Utah. I remember, I remember driving out there with my dad. We took the, oh shoot, what was it? Like something like eighteen to twenty hour drive from Mississippi to Utah, right. just trekking through everything. And I remember just driving there to the dead, to the dead of night, going through New Mexico, hit trying to hit a, I believe it was uh, Gallup, New Mexico, and we we stopped there for the night. And I remember just we were almost there, and I'm just I was at the wheel, and I'm thinking, I'm like, man, you know, I this isn't what I want to do, but this is what I have to do. Yep. But to this to this point, this sounds like something that you want to do, and to get to that point in your career, it just sounds it just sounds so it it sounds so just satisfying. Oh, this is this is the first time I'm going to a job that I hate to admit this, but this is this is the first time I'm going to a job where I can see myself staying there forever. Yeah, Odessa, Texas was never forever. Columbia, Missouri was closer, but also never forever. And you know, I'm going, I'm living in a, the Big Apple. You know, I mean. Deadspin is a job that I could see myself being at the rest of my career if it, if it worked, if it so worked out. I mean, I, I'm going in not with a time clock in my head where eventually things are going to give out. And I, I'm excited. And you mentioned your drive, and I have a similar story. Uh, I, I went to college at Towson University, which also is the Tigers in black and gold, which <laughs> makes it work for Mizzou. Uh, but my first job out of uh, out of journalism school wasn't in sports reporting. It was uh, it was just the best offer I had at the time. I was a breaking news and cops reporter in Hanover, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Just wasn't the right fit. Just I, you know, just just some things don't work out. And I was looking for jobs, and then the job opened up in Odessa, Texas. So, and I had already moved home for a little while uh, after after that job ended. And you know, I, I kind of moved uh, you know myself after getting the offer to Odessa, Texas, and it was. A 27-hour drive I did by myself. You know, I stopped in, I think, Knoxville, Tennessee, of all places, and then Memphis, Tennessee. And you forget how just 
oddly shaped Tennessee is until you drive it the entire way across it, that that drive, even though you're staying in the same state, is about eight and a half hours. Oh, yeah. And then, then I went down and stayed in Dallas and then drove over to Odessa the next day, and I was there. And I was there for a little under three years until uh, Columbia came calling. And to go from 27 hours to home to about 15, uh, it's pretty good. Um, it, was, it was a good move, but... Um, more so was one to advance my career and wasn't one with any kind of professional or per, sorry personal focus this 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 one is incredibly satisfying like the 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 hurt of being away from family it wasn't worth it in that way like i don't want to say time but there's time i'm never getting back to my family but this is a way that i can prevent that from happening again and i knew everything would be secondary to my career and i i even though it hurt i don't regret a thing you had, I had to live my life mm -hmm. and you know, I, I just, I, I thank everybody out there for reading me here. I gave it my all. It, it, I just always knew when I left in 2015, I told one of my best friends the night before I left, I remember we're getting Froyo of all places down, downtown, downtown Silver Spring, Maryland. And he said, dude, you don't have to go. I said, yes, I do. But we'll have, you know, when it's time to come back to the East coast, I said, I'll know. And it could be a year could. And I think I said, I could be 10 years to him. And he was like, Oh my God, this kid's crazy. Huh. It took it took it took uh, I guess six and a quarter years, but uh, you know I, I'm uh, I'm going back. And I, I, I without COVID, I don't know what would have taken this exact route, um, but it's time. It, yeah. it's 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 time and that's the best way i can put it no yeah um, i feel that it's a big reason um why i took this job too and why i came into this position i mean it's it, to be around family is one thing and to celebrate stuff with them is is another obviously you can go fly home anytime you want but to spend more quality time to be there for the things that matter the most are what uh like you said kind of makes life worth worth living for for lack of a better term there but um i appreciate everything you've done helped me settle in here uh giving my, my first shakespeare's my first booches mm -hmm. uh, i'll never forget that the booches sat down and you're like you're you're gonna love this and i'm and i was skeptical i was like you know this is I, I, when people overhype food that's something that i that i not you know it's not a pet peeve of mine but it's something where i'm like oh okay well how good is this burger go? oh okay yeah i see what you mean mm -hmm. so oh, um, i plan on eating a lot more booches thanks to you uh in the coming years so um thank you for that and thank you for showing me around columbia and uh i mean it's been an outstanding to be uh tag team in this with you i mean just kind of watching you take the lead and everything has given me an idea of what we're going to look for in, in an xp reporter so I appreciate you for everything. <laughs> well, well, I think you, you've said to me, you know, just hanging out. There's, there, you know, along the beats of the SEC. There's, there, there, there's. You see some personalities over and over again. And I don't know if you meant this as a compliment, but you said, you know, there's. A, we have a mutual friend uh, covers Ole Miss and Nick Suss, but there's one Suss and there's one Blum. And uh, I don't know if you meant that as a compliment, but I took it as one. And so uh, I, I do appreciate that. And, and I, I can't say enough about Chris. Like. He's, he's sitting right here in this, and it's awkward to say this, but I want all of you and listening in podcast land to know one of the things that makes me feel good about leaving is I'm not leaving the department empty-handed. I'm leaving the Tribune Sports Department in someone's capable hands, and that to me is means it's the right time to leave. Like, I probably wouldn't have had any – like, if this job came along, I'm leaving. But I would have had more reservations and maybe felt a tiny bit of survivor's guilt and I don't feel any right now. If uh, I was some, I was leaving nobody behind with the changes at the Tribune, or I was leaving somebody behind that I knew couldn't do it without me. And Chris has proved this a long time ago, but he can prove he can do this without me. Am I the expert and the beat writer? I've been here longer, absolutely. 
but there's no way things run as well as they have the past five months without you here. And you've proven that. And, you know, it's not like, and even at this, it's not like, oh, I, I'm, I'm leaving Columbia, Missouri, and I'm, and I'm never coming back. And I, you know, I'm never talking to anybody here. No, I'm, you know, I'm forever attached to Columbia because of the time here. And so I'm going to go from writing for the Tribune to being a subscriber of the Tribune. I'm going to go from writing about Mizzou athletics to reading about Mizzou athletics and being a supporter here. And just, I'm ready to kind of, I mean, I guess I'm ready to take on that uh, alumni role. And I've I've spoken to several Tribune alumni about being in the role that I'm in, you know, from Dave Matter to Dave Briggs to Joe Wall Jasper to even more recently Cameron Teague Robinson, Danny Jones. And what this department means to, I guess now I can say us as opposed to them, means means a lot. I mean, this paper is a pillar of this town, and this department has done some incredible things and sent some incredible people elsewhere. I I got a name drop, Ross Dellinger, too, I talked about this recently. And so who was here, and people don't know that, uh, and now he's the best cultural writer on the planet. And you, you... See these people who have gone on to do great things from here, and not many have taken the route that I have. Uh, out of here, I mean, Cam went right to the Louisville Courier Journal. Dave is now at the St. Louis Post Dispatch. Briggs is at the Toledo Blade, and so you, you look at a lot of that. And we just want to see this thing grow. We want to see this thing, no matter what goes on with different ownership, from the Waters family to Gatehouse to a merger to Gannett. We just want to see this thing grow, and Chris is going to make the right call. Whoever's in here next, whoever's less annoying voice is hosting the next episode with Chris will be the new beat writer, I'm pretty sure. And I just, whoever it is, you have my full support. Because if Chris is throwing his support behind you, I support Chris. That's all I'm going to say. Well, I appreciate all that and all the very kind words. Um, uh, and as we say uh, goodbye to, to Eric, I just want to put that out there that, uh, you know, we are still looking. So if you are interested, <laughs> uh, just feel free to send me all your stuff um, if you got the chops. But uh, also going forward, too, with the podcast, uh, we're still going to keep doing the podcast, too. We're going to uh, we're going to have a, an interim co-host, too, as I Ooh. take over a little bit. And that, that's going to be revealed at the next podcast. So uh, we'll have an interim co-host and uh, we'll go from there. And. Uh, hopefully sooner rather than later we can get someone in here to, to help out and kind of be the new voice for the Tribune and, uh, and the Tigers. Until then, uh, uh, you know, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a time. It's going to be a little exciting, a little challenging, but I'm going to enjoy reading Eric Deadspin, and uh, I'm going to enjoy my time here too, kind of getting a little bit more active on the beat before we bring someone else in too. So I'm excited about that. And uh, for now, I'm Chris Wisinski, the sports editor. I'll be co-hosting, or I'll be hosting uh, going on now. I'm not the co-host. I'm getting pro- a promotion in myself. Huh. But, uh, Go and, for it. Uh, for Eric Blum, any last words? Uh, just thank you for everything, for anybody who's listening and read my stories. Uh, it really has been a dream come true to, to be here. And I'm happy that um, I kept the momentum going here at the Tribune. And I, I did my damnedest for nearly, I mean, nearly three years on the beat, you know, and... You know, I, I'm happy to see where this goes. I'm happy to see in a post-Eric Blum world what the Tribune looks like. And I, I'm not bigger than the Tribune. I'm not bigger than even the Tribune's Mizzou Athletics coverage. But I did my best to contribute, and that's all I can say. So thank you. Well, we thank you too, Eric. So for Eric Blum, I'm Chris Wazinski. We'll see you next time.